Can we please talk about sports? Not politics, more specifically, not the election or who we voted for, just some good old sports. This is the Car Sessions Sports Report. I am your host, Javi, and I'm here because I want to talk some sports. I want to give you guys a break from all of this blue state, red state, house, uh, political agenda. It was rigged. Colin Kaepernick didn't vote, and, he, and he's false for not voting. Oh, no, 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 no. We are here to talk sports. So if you want to talk voting and all that other good stuff, go away. This is not the show for you. Yeah, I'm excited. Can you hear it in my voice how excited I am? The NFL weekend has provided us with some great, great, great games. The one, the marquee matchup, some might think it was the Seahawks and the Patriots, but the marquee matchup lived up to the hype, and that marquee matchup was the Dallas Cowboys versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, our favorite black guy in sports, Stephen A. Smith, He loves to say that the Cowboys are an accident waiting to happen. So much like I said in my tweet to Mr. Stephen A., it looked like the accident happened to his beloved Pittsburgh Steelers. A face mask penalty? (laughs) A 15-yard face mask penalty? As the team is driving, as the Cowboys are driving down for potentially the game-winning points? A face mask? That kind of thing only happens to the Cowboys. Not to the vaunted Steelers. Not to the legendary, most winningest franchise Steelers. The accident doesn't happen to the Steelers. But lo and behold, the accident happened. Throw out the great performance from Le'Veon Bell. A.B. doing what he does. Roethlisberger on a knee and a half doing what he does. Dak Prescott once again showed and proved beyond a shadow of a doubt. That he is and will forever be the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. He's not giving that job back to Romo, y'all. No. All you Romo fans, get ready. Tony Romo will be a Jet. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Tony Romo might be a Chicago Bear. Tony Romo might end up in L.A. if Goff doesn't get to play. They only scored nine points so, Goff needs to play, but if he never plays, maybe Romo. Hmm? I swear. I'm not trying to make fun. I'm not trying to troll. Maybe Romo ends up in Cleveland. They need a quarterback. RG3 may never play again. Who knows? Hmm? But the Dallas Cowboys handled their business. Minnesota needs a quarterback. The Dallas Cowboys handled their business. It was a great game. It sucks that someone actually had to lose that game. It's pretty disappointing that someone had to lose that game. But when you get a face mask penalty on the on the game, potentially game-winning drive, and you're on defense, you kind of deserve to lose. Witten wasn't getting away from anybody. All right, you want you want to force a turnover. Maybe you're trying to reach for the ball. Maybe you thought you had a grip on the ball and it was his face mask. But listen, focus on making the tackle. Do your job. Don't do too much. You did too much, and you cost your team the game. And then is the game-winning touchdown. A, a dive play turns into a big run for Zeke Elliott. Really, guys? What kind of defense was that? What kind of defense was that? Let me know. 
What were you hoping to gain from that? It's not that you're going to say, oh, we're going to let him score. We're going to let him score, and then we could we, we go win the game. No. That's not what happened there. You guys got beat. And then you bailed out Jason Garrett because Jason Garrett should have realized that the Steelers were letting you score earlier on, and then you got the ball back, and you almost, the Cowboys almost got beat on a fake spike play. There was a whole lot of things, a lot of bailing out happened right there because the Cowboys are very close to being roasted to being roasted on football Monday. Lack of awareness that the Steelers were giving you the points. A fake spike worth to Dan Marino. But a face mask penalty. Mm-mm, mm-mm-mm. The accident happened to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, oh man. Rude dog. <laughs> Out in Pittsburgh. I know you salty, brother. New Orleans Saints. I'm not going through all these games. I'm just going to talk about the games that made the most news. The New Orleans Saints. Best quarterback. Arguably going today. Drew Brees. Takes him down the field. What should have been a game winning touchdown. Or at least a go ahead touchdown. And the extra point gets blocked. And, and the Broncos go the other way. And win the game with the extra two points. You get once you, once you score. Once you score in that extra point scenario. And you're on defense. You get two points. It's much like the college game now. You get those two points. Imagine losing like that. You're in New Orleans. You guys have been scr- scratching and crawling and trying to get back to approaching 500 status. You're trying your damnness. You had a slow spark. Yeah, you're playing the Super Bowl champions. You're playing a great game. You go down the field. You get what's supposed to be at least a go-ahead touchdown, potentially game-winning touchdown. And you lose on a blocked extra point brought back for two points? You might as well put the same season on suicide watch, y'all. It's looking shaky out here. The Saints season is on suicide watch. And with the money they're playing Drew Brees right now, Drew Brees might be wearing a new jersey next season, guys. I don't know. I don't know. They might want to blow the whole thing up. You got a team like the Jets and bringing the Jets up again. A team like the Jets who have no quarterback who might be desperate enough to give up a high-end draft pick to get a Drew Brees because that is the Jets' M.O. Hmm. Hmm. The Saints season on Suicide Watch, y'all. It's almost over in New Orleans this season. Trust and believe. Bounce back win for the Eagles against the Falcons. But let, let's let's go to Tennessee. The Packers are ordinary, guys. Yeah, they have, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Some could say he is the best, most talented quarterback in the NFL. But beyond Aaron Rodgers... What do we make of the Green Bay Packers? They play little to no defense. Their offense is not very inspirational. They have no downfield threat, like I said weeks ago. They're ordinary. They're very ordinary. It's no shade. I'm sorry if you're taking offense to it, Packer Nation. Cheeseheads. I'm sorry. No beef. But the team that you love, the team that you love so vehemently, they're ordinary. Okay, it's week 10. You still have about, what, six or seven more weeks to become extraordinary. But right now, your average Aaron Rodgers or no Aaron Rodgers. Average. 
You let Marcus Mariota look like an elite quarterback. Okay, Mariota's done this two weeks in a row. Maybe I should put some respect on his name. He pissed me off last week in fantasy. He pissed me off this week in fantasy in another league. Maybe I should put some respect on Mariota's name. I don't want to see Mariota for the rest of the season. I better not play another team the rest of the season that has Marcus Mariota because we will have a problem. But all, all the same, all the same, last week, Andrew Luck didn't face much resistance from that pack of defense. This week, Mariota put up all-pro numbers. The tight ends for the Titans put up all-pro numbers as a collective <laughs> on these Packers. McCarthy over there in Green Bay looking shaky, brother. They might need to put you on the hot seat. Nothing's been the same in Green Bay since y'all blew the NFC Championship game. Since y'all blew that game, nothing has been the same. So, if you don't get a downfield threat, a dual threat running back, and some more creative play calling in the future. For right now, creative play calling. But let's talk about next season as well. Aaron Rodgers, for him to be extremely effective, needs a downfield threat. Whatever happened to Jordy Nelson with that knee, that ACL, it's taking something away. It's taking a step away. The other receivers that you guys are trying to make over there, you know, it's not hitting. I like Randall Cobb. I like Randall Cobb a lot. He's very useful. But Devontae Adams is not going to get it done. He's not a star. He's, he's, not, he's not a player that the defense has to game plan for. They game plan for Aaron Rodgers and who he throws open, not the wide receiver who puts fear in your heart. Absolutely not. No, no. You can say whatever you want to say. You can say whatever you want to say, Packer Nation, cheeseheads. You don't have a viable wide receiver threat down the field. You don't have a good running game. Your defense is shaky. Aaron Rodgers is the only thing stopping you guys from being a full-fledged bad team. You're ordinary because of Aaron Rodgers. Because he makes y'all above bad by way of ordinary. Without Aaron Rodgers, you guys would be straight up horrible. Horrible. This is not a take. This is Sportsman Jov calling it what it is. Mm-mm-mm. Y'all like that beat in the background? It's real smooth, right? Well, quick tangent. Mm. I'm in a good mood. I don't, you know, I'm in a real good mood. The Giants play tonight, so I won't be able to talk about them too tough. So I guess because, you know, the, the, you know, they haven't played to piss me off too much. I, I'm in great spirits. Phillip Rivers literally threw the game away for the Chargers. The last topic I want to focus on on football besides telling you to look out for the Chiefs and Andy Reid and that dink and dunk with the greatest ball control quarterback in the history of the NFL, Alex Smith. That defense is real. Alex Smith is the greatest at what he does. Worry, worry about the Chiefs. But the last topic I want to focus on before I move on to something else. Why, 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 why does Jeff Fisher still have a job in the NFL? You draft a quarterback with the top overall pick. And you're, you, you, you're content. You see, I'm stuttering. Right? I'm so angry. You're content to let Case Keenan be your quarterback. You have Jared Goff there. You refuse to play him. You drafted him first. The quarterback who went second is having a pretty damn good season in Carson Wentz. So what the hell? I'm going to repeat myself because a lot of you guys missed last week's show. Um, what, what do you see? It, what did you see in a Jared Goff that you didn't see in Carson Wentz? Was it because you found Goff to be more attractive? Does your daughter like him? You think he'd look better under the Los Angeles spotlight? Golf, well, was Goff, Goff had the movie star appeal in terms of his looks? 
because I quite I can't understand how the second pick in the draft is balling out and the first pick in the draft is not good enough to get on the field. That that is a burning question of mine. I have an issue with that. I have a big issue with that. And it's not like Case Keenum is tearing it up. They only scored nine points. Granted, they won, but it had nothing to do with the offense. The defense won that game. But beyond refusing to let Jared Goff get on the field this season, you have Todd Gurley there, and you're hardly using him. You got you you have him as a two-down back. You you guys have made no effort to implement this man into the passing game. All the elite running backs in the NFL today are implemented into the passing game in some form or fashion. You guys don't even look. You guys don't even look for this man in the passing game. So it which makes your offense predictable. If he's on the field, it's either going to be a run by him or a play pass or a straight drop back pass. When Cunningham comes onto the field, you got to worry about him leaking out of the backfield. You got to worry about him, you know, on the screen pass. You got to worry about him chip blocking and leaking out for a play and a downfield pass and a play action pass. Why are you not do why are you not maximizing Todd Gurley, coach? Fisher are you guys tanking? Am I missing something? Are you guys bad on purpose? But Jeff Fish hasn't done anything in the NFL since he took his team to the Super Bowl back in 1998. Or was it 99? 99. It was a 99-2000 season. Super Bowl played in 2000. It was a 99 regular season. Okay, fine. Let me, let me give him an extra year. Huh? This guy's been an average coach. Average. He's in coaching purgatory. He's not that good. Sabotaging golf, sabotaging Gurley for Benny Cunningham and Case Keenum? Are you, Nick, are you serious? <sighs> Look, y'all, LA, LA, City of Angels, run him out of town. Get Jeff Fisher and his mustache and. and, and <laughs> And his mullet out of town for the greater good of this of football in that city. Get him his mustache and his mullet out of Los Angeles. Not now, but right now. Sheesh. In more positive news, Conor McGregor came to New York City, my city, Madison Square Garden, and handled his business. And one of the biggest, if not the biggest night in UFC history, becoming the, the promotion's first dual weight champion. He was already walking in as the UFC featherweight champion, which is a title he hasn't defended in God knows how long. And he's also become the UFC lightweight champion. I think at this point, I know, all right, he wanted to make the history of holding two titles, right? I can dig that. I would never, I would never knock a guy for wanting to make history. History is a beautiful thing. But at this point now, Connor, it's time. It's time to drop that featherweight title. Unless you're going to go down and fight Aldo again. Because we barely got to fight the first time. You, you beat him at one punch. <laughs> you beat him at one punch. <laughs> My homeboy Elias can't stand this guy. He hates Connor McGregor's guts. He, he texted me at damn near 2 in the morning yesterday. Talking about how much he still doesn't like Connor McGregor. But the fact remains is, is that Connor McGregor, in the words... Of Ric Flair in his prime. Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. I'm not going to do the woo, my voice might crack. 
But that's what Conor McGregor is right now. He is the best going today. His, his first loss in the promotion, he avenged that in impressive fashion. Some would say he stole the fight, but the fact remains you went up that many weight classes and you handled your business twice because he ran out of gas the first time he fought, and the second time on the rematch, he handled his business. Then he goes up again, lightweight. Fights Eddie Alvarez, reigning lightweight champion. Handled his business, didn't go the distance. Took care of him in the raucous garden. The guard is known for legendary moments in the fight game. And now for Conor McGregor to make that history, putting this promotion on his back when guys like John Bones Jones can't stay out of trouble. You, you need a star. Ronda Rousey hasn't been, to, she hasn't even been in the octagon since she got upset. What is it, a year and a half ago? I can't, it's been so long, I can't even tell you how long it's been. The fight wasn't even a close fight. Alvarez is a, pro, a, a, a he's a professional lightweight, and he got embarrassed last night. All the talking in the world, all the pre-match hype. That's almost like Conor McGregor is fighting himself. At this point in Conor McGregor's career, until he finds a worthy opponent, he's fighting himself in the ring. He's trying to one-up his last performance in the octagon. Let me not disrespect. It's not the ring. It's the octagon. He's trying to one-up himself each and every time he steps inside the octagon. There needs to be someone who can step up. We haven't seen this level of dominance in the UFC since what? GSP? Since the spider? John Bones Jones until he got in trouble? But the fact remains is that because McGregor is such a personality... He dwarfs everything those guys previously have done because they didn't have the mouthpiece attached to the skill level. Those fighters might be better than Conor McGregor, but when you fat, when you tie in being box office along with the show that he puts on in the octagon, he might be the greatest. Not the greatest fighter, but the greatest performer in UFC history. You see where I went with that? Not the greatest fighter, but the greatest performer. Everything about Conor McGregor is a performance. It's not a fight. It's not just a fight. It's the it's it's the the press conference. It's the weigh-in. It's the TV and radio spots that he does to promote the fight. It's the fight itself, and then the post-fight talking. You know, whether it's the, the, the post-fight interview in the ring, the post-fight interview outside the ring, and when you do the pressers, it's the Conor McGregor experience. He's only 28. He's in his physical prime. Conor McGregor isn't going anywhere, y'all. So whether you love him or you hate him, you gotta deal with him. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta deal with him. Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman had a nice face-off last night in the boxing ring after Garcia fought another schmo on Spike TV. You know, the welterweight division is, is, is pretty entertaining. But you know what? They need a money fight now. It's time for a money fight. We, we, we could do all of this on Spike TV, and it's great to have boxing on free TV. Don't get me wrong. It's great to have free boxing. Everything doesn't have to be pay-per-view. But you saw what happened there with, 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 with the old dude, Manny Pacquiao, be the guy 10 years, his junior. Floyd Mayweather hasn't been around since, since he, he, he had his last fight that did horrible pay-per-view numbers. It's time for the next wave of welterweights to officially step up. 
What better way? What better way than to have DSG versus one time? Two of the best up and coming. And when I say up and coming, I'm not talking about their young fighters. I'm talking about up and coming in terms of national spotlight. These guys are known in fight circles. But it's time for one of these two, if not both, to take the welterweight division away from the old guard. Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao, even if Floyd isn't fighting, his presence is still felt in that division. It's time for DSG, and it's time for one time to take a division away from the old guard. We haven't seen one time do something really epic since he had that great fight on, on NBC about a year ago. It's time for these two men, March 14th, 2017, when that fight happens... I needed to be an epic fight because these two gentlemen will be the two who take the welterweight division in a new direction. No offense to Manny Pacquiao, Money May. I love me some Money May. But how long can we live off some old heads? It's just like the NFL. You know, it, it's great. It was great to have Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. It was great to have that rivalry. But at some point, Peyton Manning had to retire. Tom Brady's going to be gone in a couple of years. And it's going to be up on these quarterbacks to step up. You know, not now that Peyton Manning is gone, you can't hold on to that crutch anymore. Other quarterbacks have needed to step up. Now you see guys like that that Prescott being groomed for, for big things playing in Dallas. That that star in the town is gonna get him real far. The endorsements are coming if they're not already here. You look at a guy like Andrew Luck. The NFL's looking for that next big quarterback. Same thing with the welterweight division. The boxing world is looking for that next great welterweight to be the standard bearer for the division, to be the money fighter for the division. When you step in the ring with that guy, maybe it'll never be what Floyd was, but when you step in the ring with box welterweight X, he will be the cash cow that guys want to latch on to to make bread. So it's time. The winner, of, to me, the winner of DSG in one time will be that cash cow for the welterweight division. I'm leaning with one time right now. I'm not a big DSG fan. It is what it is. Right now, I have one time winning that fight, but listen, it's, it's only November. March 2017 is a long ways away, so we got some time to focus in on that. I'll be talking about that more with some fight fans or car sessions very, 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 very much in the near future. Let's close out this edition of Car Sessions just coming on much earlier than you're accustomed to, but because I have a life that, that, that requires me to do things a little bit differently from time to time on a professional level and a school level, I have to switch things up. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, they've been impressive. I've been, I've, I've, I've been kind of like staying away from them because I don't want to talk too much about them until I know personally how real it is. I need to know how real it is before I do anything big and boastful about the Lakers and this quick start they've been on. But what I would like to focus on is the last Laker game that I got a chance to really sit down and watch. All four quarters of. And that was with the Sacramento Kings. And I want to focus on that because. All right. I watched the other two games, but it's in bits and pieces. I'm talking about front to back, a whole performance. It was a Sacramento King game. Boogie Cousins. That guy's a psychopath. I'm convinced. But I want to talk about him because I, I saw him in that game. Looking like. The best big man in the NBA. You want it, he has it. Post move, mm, whole lap. Face up jump shot, whole lap. Step back, hit the three, whole lap. Defensive presence, whole lap. If it's not him, it's the unibrow. Both out of UK, big coincidence. I think not. Coach Cal knows how to pick them. 
But I honestly believe that for Boogie Cousins to really harness and reach that potential that we see within him, he has to get out of Sacramento. I'm seeing here that it's possible rumors floating about that he might be traded. And it's like, you know what? That's not good for him. That's not good for him at all. And I say that because the rumors and the losing in Sacramento can only do more harm to his already temperamental psyche. For him to reach his full potential, he needs to be in a winning environment. It's like, this guy is too good to be wasting away playing with Rudy Gay in Sacramento. Yeah, they got a new building, but that's cool. Who else they, what else they got? A slew of coaches, no real system at play. They're just there. They're just there. You know? So I believe that they need to find a way. And because he's so talented, Sacramento can only benefit from a trade. Find a way to get the right package together of draft picks and players, young players preferably, and get Boogie in a situation where he can flourish. You're doing him a disservice by having him just sitting around, rotting away, being angry with the scowl in Sacramento. Help this man. Help this man. Another play I want to talk about, you know, in NBA circles. It's this guy. This guy. That he he's just finding more and more ways to irritate me with his presence and his face. Brandon Jennings. The other day, uh, the, the last game the Knicks actually won, he stops his teammate from helping the opposing player up off the ground. And this goes back to the whole thing in the preseason where he's clapping in the face of a Washington Wizards player talking about we going to bring back that, that vibe to the guard in like the 90s and all this and that. Let's be tough, guys. He's talking about D'Angelo Russell in the media about whatever happened with him and Swaggy P. And I'm just like, I'm tired of this guy. Like, you're doing too much now. Just play basketball, sir. And you know what? I like theater. I like theatricality. But I only like theater when it's real theater. Like, when I see a Draymond Green, you know? When I see LeBron James scowling at Steph Curry because he's tired of people putting that respect on Steph and not on the King, I like stuff like that. Like going back to Boogie when Boogie had to go press Randall at the end of the game because Randall was doing a little too much. That's real. But when Brandon Jennings is doing it, it's a little contrived to me because you are you know what you're doing. You're doing it on purpose. You were not doing this in any other city you played for, but all of a sudden you come to the garden and the media capital of the world and, and, and you want to be seen? All of a sudden it's this and it's that. We're tough guys. This is the garden. I'm Brandon Jennings. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't do this anywhere else. So to me, it's contrived. You're doing it because you know people are going to pay attention. It keeps you in the news. You do things, like I said before, Brandon Jennings does things because he knows people are going to say something about it because of the fact that he's relatively popular in the NBA. He might not be the best player, but he's always had a level of popularity in terms of the internet. He's big on the net. And he knows he's, anything he does to that, to that level of volatility is going to trend. So, please, Mr. Jennings, the energy that you're putting in, you're putting in right now to be tough guy guard for the New York Knicks. Tough guy opinionated guard for the New York Knicks. Put that energy into your game. The Knicks aren't very good right now. The Knicks are three and six. They're supposed to be a super team. (laughs) Put that energy into the Knicks getting better. 
And I bet you that positive energy will flow through your team. You're the backup guard, right? You're the backup primary guard off the bench on the putrid Nick bench. Put that energy in the ball, B. Representing my city horribly. It's bad enough New York basketball has to be represented by the Knicks. Then you you got this guy, Brandon Jennings, walking around. He the toughest guard in the NBA. You weren't doing this anywhere else. I got to repeat myself. You are not doing this anywhere else. So why do it now? Jeez, man. Like, I don't like that. Stuff like that is corny to me, man. Just play ball. I'm never going to be the sports game. Just play ball. No. I'm just saying, if it's real, I respect it. If I feel like it's phony, I, I can't put any respect on that, man. I refuse to put any respect on Brandon Jennings. And like if it was Joe Kim Noah doing it, I could understand. Or even Melo, because Melo's not a wimp. I could understand that. And last but not least, shout out to the well, second to last, shout out to the Miami crowd for, for that evasion that they gave to Dwayne Wade. I really, really, really like that. I really, I really like that, man. That shows that this city understood that it wasn't D Wade who wanted to leave. It was that 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 Miami front office that made a business decision that a lot of you NBA fans, a lot of you NBA fans need to wrap your head around it. it it's not it's not all sentimental in big business. Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes it's cutthroat. And Pat Riley the Don did what he needed to do. And I respect that decision because at the end of the day, you get too sentimental. It costs you money and it costs you wins down the road. I'm just saying, I'm sorry. Y'all could be mad if y'all want to be mad. And last but not least, I wanted to ask you guys' opinion on something. You know, y'all can hit me on Twitter or, you know, hit me on Twitter, hit me on the book, wherever you can reach me at. I got a question for y'all that, you know, I wanted to talk about real quick. I saw a tweet from a person, and I can't remember where I saw it. I'm sorry that I can't remember so I could put that credit towards your name. But the tweet was along the lines of NBA players shouldn't sign off on any new CBA Without the eradication of playing back-to-backs. How do y'all feel about that? Hit me on Twitter and let me know. But for me, I think I kind of agree with it. Like, what, like I, I know there's probably a logistics, a logistical issue at play in terms of if you stop the back-to-backs. How does it affect the overall NBA schedule? Because now the season is going to be much longer because it's going to be you got you got to account for more nights on the calendar. To fit in 82 games, which means that the season will probably either end later or it'll have to start possibly early in October, as opposed to Halloween weekend or that second to last weekend in October. It will have to start in the middle of October or the beginning of October, depending on how the whole schedule plays out. I don't, I don't know how that works. I'm not a schedule maker, but if it means a longer NBA season and less games on a night-to-night basis, which is a problem, everybody wants NBA every night, right? All those issues aside, I think for the health of the players, that might be a great move. To me, I don't see the point of it. I don't see the point of a team like, you know, you're playing New Orleans one night, and then you got to hop on a plane and you're in Minnesota the next night. Who does that benefit? I know nobody in the NBA is ever going to go 82-0. and 0. Let me not say that, but I, 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 logically speaking, I don't see that happening. But I feel like when you put teams in those positions... You're setting them up for failure. Like, that kind of travel overnight after playing an intense full-court game 
that doesn't benefit the team that, that has to travel into the next city to play on a back-to-back, and they're not playing at home to get that boost of energy that the home crowd provides. So what's really the purpose of it? I believe that they need to eradicate playing back-to-backs. I know logistics and all is going to be a problem. But I think the overall health of the players would benefit. The overall quality of the basketball will benefit. You'll get more nights of of great basketball to look at as opposed to one sluggish team getting ran off the court by an energetic team who didn't have to play the night before or they played the night before, but they have the home crowd behind them, so they're all right. So to the person who tweeted that out about eradicating back-to-backs, I wholeheartedly agree. You guys, listen in the car sessions. What say you? How do y'all feel about the eradication of back-to-backs in the new CBA? It's not on the table right now, but it's just a thought process. Should, should NBA players not sign without agreeing that back-to-backs should be eliminated? What do y'all say? Let me know. Hit me on Twitter. You know, because I think, I think it's great for the league if they do that. But ladies and gentlemen, you know, this slightly special edition of Car Sessions is in the books. TJ's new podcast, So What You Saying, was a successful debut. Look out for that this Wednesday. Look out for Car Sessions New York City, possibly Thursday or Friday. Y'all know what we do. Until next time, Jarvis out. Peace.